Hello, welcome to the Why God Why podcast. My name is Peter Englert. I am brought to you by Browncroft, or this podcast is brought to you by Browncroft Community Church, uh, hence why I'm wearing the pullover. Man, I am struggling with intros today, Aaron. <laughs> so Aaron's my wonderful co-host that keeps me on track, um, and he is intelligent, smart, and illustrious. And then we have our awesome producer, Nathan Yoder here with us today. We are interviewing a guest. Uh, her name is Ashley Hales. She's an author. She has her PhD, a mother and a wife. And I'm sure the list could go on. She recently wrote a book <laughs> called A Spacious Life. And the question we're dealing with today is why is hustle overrated? Aaron, you have any thoughts? I'm I'm excited about this conversation. I think it's an important one. I'm really looking forward to talking to Ashley. And, um, you know, I'll just back up for a second. I mean, you started off with illustrious for me. I, I can't, it seems like it's going to be a good episode anyways, no matter what at this point. Um, but uh, <laughs> by the way, he's wearing his Browncroft polo. I didn't wear it today, but maybe I should have, but um, then we could be twins almost. Um, yeah, no, I think this is going to be a great conversation. I think this is a, the idea of hustle and uh, spaces or something that we need to talk more about uh, in our culture. So I think this will be a great conversation. Before I throw to Ashley, um, I don't usually get to read books before we interview people, but I actually get to read this. I just want to read just a little segment of it so to just help Great, frame thanks. this conversation. Nice. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, we try to be big. We ignore the needs of our body. We drink too much coffee and skimp on sleep. We measure our worth on our social media feeds or by a number in the bank or on a scale. We've transgressed the limits of our attention and care cramming too much in our calendars, walking past our family and neighbors in favor of what we have set out to accomplish. When I've gone past God-given limits, choosing instead to try to earn through hustle what I've already been given, the gracious care of God, I end up weary, overwhelmed, confused, and discontented. That's quite a, that's quite a segment. So <laughs> Ashley, why don't you introduce yourself and share your story and we'll go from there. That's sure. A, yeah. Um, so I am Ashley Hales. I'm married to my husband, Bryce, for almost 20 years, which is really cool. Um, and we live in Colorado. We moved from Southern California, where we grew up. Um, my husband had been in church planting, and now he is a pastor of spiritual formation. We have four kids, two in middle school, two in elementary school. Um, it took me about a decade to finish my PhD, but I did it just uh, sure grit. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, you know, I have found my limits, um, in lots of different seasons, but particularly we have four kids. They're six years apart from the oldest to the youngest. So we had lots of baby years. And I think that was one, one thing for me, at least in my story, uh, that really helped shape me and shaped my character and made me extremely dependent on God in ways I probably didn't want to be. Um, and so that is something I look back on now about 15 years later and realize that our limits of our body, our attention, our time, our calling are good. Uh, God created us to be creatures, to be finite. Um, and that means that we get to act like a kid who is cared for by our loving heaven our loving heavenly father. So they're actually gifts, but I think that's really countercultural uh, to so much of what we've heard just growing up. And it feels like it's just in the water, especially in American life. Wow. No, that's, uh, that's, that's great. Thank you for introducing yourself too. And I, 
I, I'm I'm really excited to to talk about this. I know it, I know the the basic gist will be talking about hustle, and I I know we'll get to that. But you were just even mentioning having you know that range of your kids, um, you know, trying to find space in that environment. I'm sure that is a growing <laughs> right. experience. I know that you gotta you gotta you gotta find it um, and find rest. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, rest is certainly something I think we in our our culture um, struggle with. So. Mm-hmm. No, this is gonna be this is gonna be great. Um, I I am curious. I, I you know you are, um, we just mentioned your mom. Um, for you're also mm-hmm. you mentioned you're the wife of a pastor. I think this is this episode is dropping in the holiday season, so that'll also be yeah. a time when there's a lot of hustle. Um, I'm sure yep. for everybody, but certainly for you um, in the church setting. But uh, you know, I'm curious. You know, you you mentioned your your journey a bit. Um, if you were to talk back to the person, bef- you know, you've grown a lot over the years. What, what would you mm-hmm. do? You have something that you would say to yourself now on this end of things. You know, what mm-hmm. do you kind of wish that you would have told yourself back then that you you wish you knew then? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it's something we try to tell our children a little bit now as our our oldest will be going to high school next year and which I'm like, how am I old enough to have a high schooler? I don't know. Um, Cause didn't, wasn't I just in high school, but you know, I think we, we try to remind him and we, and, and there's been a lot of moms actually who have reached out, who have read a spacious life, who have found, you know, this tension between longing and desires of their own heart and their own lives and vocation and calling. And then also the calling of being a mom and maybe they're staying home with kids and it feels like, on the one hand, I want to do all these things and I have desires to do them. And then the other hand, like I have cleaned up under the high chair a hundred times already today. Like there's a disconnect. It feels like, um, and for both, you know, my high schooler and for, for these women who have kind of reached out after reading a spacious life, I I've encouraged them to remember that the character really is our calling and, and so much more than what we accomplish. Cause I think we are, in kind of Western individualistic cultures, um, we think we can get to a meaningful life through hustle and hurry, but it's precisely those methodologies that won't help us actually get there. So instead of like choosing to jump on kind of that moving walkway of hustle and hurry, we are offered another invitation from God to actually acknowledge our limits, to say, I'm tired, like, you know, I need help, <laughs> you know, basic things, um, because we, we aren't meant to do everything. We aren't meant to be our own saviors and to remember that in those hard, very kind of claustrophobic limit inducing moments or seasons of our lives that we are actually becoming someone new as we like lean into those limits. And so I would encourage folks who are feeling that press of their limits, whether it's through parenting or whether it's, you know, financially or physical chronic illness, there's so many different ways in which we are forced to reckon with our limits. But, you know, as you are feeling that push is to say, I actually get to go through that with Christ Mm -hmm. and who I am becoming is really the thing, not what I accomplish. I'm just kind of curious because, um, you know, you mentioned writing this as a mom, you know, a PhD, mm-hmm. uh, I guess what I read this as a father kind of, you know, working, mm-hmm. what are the differences of hustle, you know, between men and women? What are some of those observations? Mm-hmm. Cause we have some, 
I, I'm sure we have some 20 somethings that are aspiring for a career, but they want the family life. You know, we mm -hmm, have some mm -hmm. even couples in their 30s and there's just different expectations on men and women. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'd be mm -hmm. curious, how is that different from your vantage point? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I would love to hear, you can give me the the father and male version. Um, and, you know, not obviously there's a lot of overlap, but um, Ada Calhoun, she wrote a book uh, called Why We Can't Sleep and talking about women's midlife crisis. And she, she writes a little bit about, you know, particularly in the 70s through the 90s, and I, I think we still reap these consequences today, but that we've, we've kind of had this experiment in crafting a higher achieving, more fulfilled and more well-rounded version of the American woman. So it's expected, right, that women are not only to be fantastic mothers and like make all the food from scratch, <laughs> but they're also expected to, you know, be on the PTA and they're probably expected to also hold down this really satisfying job and, you know, be in great shape and have an amazing sex life with her husband and volunteer at church, you know, in Christian spheres. And I, and I think things like Instagram will kind of push us to thinking that women, particularly who can tend to be the audience for Instagram, that we are supposed to be all of these things all of the time. And really what Ada Calhoun talks about is that's actually producing so much more mental health problems um, and just physical problems with these unrealistic expectations. I imagine men, it might look a little different, but there is still this sense that, of course, you're supposed to be on the soccer field and coaching your kid. You're supposed to be earning enough money to take your, you know, your family on great vacations. You're supposed to, you know, be the spiritual leader of your household. There's so many different ways it might look, but you know, this idea that you're supposed to be doing all of the things and being all things to all people at all times really doesn't reckon with the fact that we're human and mm -hmm. that, you know, we have particular giftings and callings and particular seasons of our lives where we are not able to be firing on all cylinders. So just to lean in a little bit, because in some mm -hmm. ways, I think what brings men and women together or whatever stage that you're in, whether you're single or married, is we hear this American phrase, you can be whatever you want to be. After right, writing right. this book, uh, what do you think about that phrase? Yeah, I think it's horrible. <laughs> um, because we can't be everything we want to be. And, you know, at some point you are maybe in your high school and you realize, oh, I cannot be a professional soccer player. Like I do not have the skills or, you know, the DNA to be able to play like Messi. And, you know, and so you have to reckon with disappointment all along the way. Um, and it, we're really not doing children much good too. If we're telling them you can be anything, um, obviously, we want to help them be imaginative and explore options. But really, when you know kids grow up with that attitude of you can be anything, and they haven't been that famous soccer player, or you know they got cut from the team as a freshman, or you know they suddenly get a C in geometry, uh, they've really learned to tie their worth to their achievements. Mm. And if instead, as parents and as people, you know, as we get a little bit of life experience. We actually have an invitation to move through our limits and to see them not only as, uh, I'm just being held back somehow by the system or myself, um, and we wallow in guilt and shame, but actually to say, you know what, Jesus, who was perfectly God and perfectly human, had limits. We see him taking naps. We see him healing people, but not every single person in Galilee did he heal. Um, we see him going off to pray 
in the middle of the night, we see him choosing 12 men to be his disciples, not every single person, you know, that he invested in particular people. He healed particular people. He prioritized things like rest and sleep and Sabbath. And maybe we should maybe follow, (laughs) you know, some of what our Lord and Savior says is the way to a more flourishing life. So I I guess I want to press in a little too is so is there is there a do you distinguish between hustle and hurry is there a good hustle and a not so good hustle or a healthy form Mm -hmm. of hustle um Mm -hmm. versus you know uh, it it seems to me like there could be a there could definitely be a tendency to go too much one way or the other way how do you kind of for sure for sure i think most of us probably struggle with too much but yeah go ahead (laughs) right (laughs) Right. yeah i I think so too i think most of us could you know stand to step back a little bit but um you know i think there there can also be the sense that when we talk about a spacious life um that we're one just talking about individuals and instead of a corporate like body of christ experience Mm. and so i i don't want to be like it's only you know when i talk about limits you just get to say no to whatever you want to say no to, <laughs> you know, um, because that isn't necessarily for our good either. And so, but at, at the same time, so it's, it's not just simply individual. There's also a corporate kind of element to, to how we talk about what it looks like to live a spacious life. And secondarily, I don't want people exactly what you were just saying there about, does that mean I get to just like sit around and like wait for God to like zap me with fairy dust and like suddenly I'm closer to him and I think, you know, my life is better um, firing on all cylinders because I took a nap uh, and no, <laughs> you know, I think there is this combination of doing sorts of things like Bible reading, prayer and, you know, giving and being a part of your local church body that are going to kind of till the soil and we don't know what the God through the Holy Spirit is going to bring up. We don't know. And we don't really, um, we can't be responsible for the growth, but we can do things that kind of prepare the soil of our souls for growth. And so I, I love how Dallas Willard says that the Christian life is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Mm -hmm. And so I think to say that you know, having limits means that we don't work hard because there will be seasons where you have more work to do. Um, But a lot of it is this kind of spacious sense um, is more of a state of the soul based on our connection with Jesus than necessarily something that always corresponds with our circumstances. Uh, Oh, no, you go ahead. Yeah, no, this this is good. I, uh, so (laughs) I'm curious to, let's get uh, practical uh, here for a second. Yeah. This uh, this episode is coming out during Christmas season. How do you have a spacious Christmas season? How do you set set limits and yeah. boundaries and that? Because there's, it seems like to me, anyways, it seems like it can get really, and not even talking about in the church world, like even in uh, what you and you and your husband are doing on the uh, weekends and Sundays, um, right. or during the week with church. But just anybody listening to this, there's there's family, there's get-togethers, there's expectations yeah. for shopping. I mean, how do we, how would you navigate that this yes. season? Yes, yes. Buy, you know, well, buy everyone a spacious life, and then you're all right, set for Christmas. there you go, done. <laughs> Boom, <laughs> presents are done. I, I love that, I love it. 
Everyone just go buy 100 copies. Sounds there you great. Go. There um, you go. <laughs> um, but no, honestly, we are trying to think of some different ways of like, now that we live out of state from our, our extended family is like, let's just come up with a theme, you know, just some practical things, like just to give limits, right? To instead of, mm-hmm. I'm going to be spending 20 hours trying to find the perfect gift, but like, maybe we just get everyone a pair of socks and a book. But so that's just very practical. Yeah. Um, but, you know, firstly, I, so I am offering, um, it's actually an audio devotional and like a workbook called a spacious season, um, on my website. So that is available for purchase. Um, if folks want to go to aahales.com, it'll still be up in December. Um, but you know, the idea behind that project really was to say like, what does it look like practically to, you know, engage with these things in a very busy season and, and what kind of questions, a lot of it is figuring out what are our expectations that we have for this season and what are the limits of this season? Mm. You know, whether it's like a budget limit, of course, on gifts, um, the amount of time you're spending outside your home and just taking stock of some of those sorts of things to realize, and what are your goals? Like, are your goals to do all the things and have all the fun? Or is it like, I really want to create family togetherness, or Mm. I really want to have a slower Christmas morning and actually thinking about some of those things ahead of time, instead of just kind of finding ourselves slotted into the crazy hustle and hurry of the season is one is one way that we can at least begin then to acknowledge our limits. So whether that looks like, okay, we have three events this week. And so the following week, we need to make sure we don't schedule Mm. eight more events. Like we need to say no so that we can watch our Christmas movies and be in pajamas and drink hot cocoa um, you know, as a family, those might be some ways, you know, that we can practically choose to kind of create margin and create space, um, in the season. So I think, you know, a lot of people will, maybe they'll buy gifts way ahead of time and, or go thrifting and do all of these really great things. That's not me. And like, I'm just on Amazon and, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's a lot of stress. And so to yeah. just say, okay, maybe I'm just going to, one weekend, I'm just going to order all my gifts or something so that the rest of the season, I will have time to be with people because that's actually what I'm prioritizing. So you, those are a few practical ideas. No, that's really good. What What have you found that uh, from your own experience, like what have you found that people might not even know they're missing? Let's mm-hmm. say, I mean, we're using the Christmas talk about Christmas right now, Christmas season, Advent yeah. season. What are people missing by not having those limits? Like, you know, maybe some people mm-hmm. like being busy and hurrying or I don't know if they do or not. I don't. Right. But but some people yeah, might uh, maybe. You yeah. know, but what are they missing? What should they be thinking of that? Maybe there would be good to be slowing down for. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, everything we're fed from commercials and Christmas movies and all of that is you know, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And yeah. so we are supposed to like how else do you understand wonderful except by like going and doing and grabbing wonderful by the horns, you know, and getting all the wonderfulness out of the most wonderful time of the year. But most of the time, right, we find ourselves exhausted by that sort of pace. Um, And so to say, you know, if I want my Advent season to be something that's more contemplative, I'm going to have to say no. I'm going to have to say no to some of these things. Um, Maybe, you know, you make your you're cooking really simple so that you have more time in your day to say, okay, I'm going to take 20 minutes and read through a devotional or, you know, 10 minutes of silence, or we're going to spend more time around the dinner table reading through the gospels, you know, various different things, but those can be ways to actually help slow ourselves down because 
often I think we get to Christmas and we're like, oh yeah, it's about Jesus, but I've spent all my time on things that are not of God. Mm-hmm. And so building some of those rhythms and even just Sabbath, like a weekly Sabbath through this through the month of December and having that time look different, lighting a candle, playing Advent songs, um, choosing to turn off screens, keeping things just a little bit more slow, even if the rest of our week looks a little bit more hurried, might be something that helps us feel like when we get to Christmas that we are ready to celebrate. Mm. So I think I can hear some of our listeners, and maybe I'm just reading into it. Uh, there's kind of this like cycle of shame of mm. like, I I totally want to do the Advent devotional um, right, right. I'm, I'm going to be signing up for that. So I'm just telling our listeners right now, I'm signing awesome. up for that. Um, but I want to do all of this stuff and then I don't do it. And yeah. I'm just thinking, I recently had a conversation with a couple that she said, I felt so guilty that I didn't pray with my spouse. And I'm a pastor. I might be, I know that praying with your spouse is like really important, but I don't think the Bible even says like, <laughs> right. pray you with your spouse. This. Yeah. Right, and so right. I, I'm, as I think about this topic and I even think about Christmas, how do you mm-hmm. decipher the, you know, I should watch, you know, It's a Wonderful Life with my almost four-year-old. Like, that's just a crazy expectation, but in our mind, mm-hmm. we can put that in there. I mean, yeah. how, how do you even back up and say, there's a cycle of shame for the holiday season mm-hmm. and for life to kind of push out from there? To actually know, mm-hmm. hey, how do I simplify and limit in a healthy way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that shame and that guilt that we've kind of put on ourselves is really, um, it's usually not like guilt from sin, you know, from the Holy Spirit convicting us, right? It's kind of all of these shoulds that we've placed on our shoulders. Um, and, you know, really that's one thing I've, one reason why I wrote A Spacious Life, because we can tend to think of like, oh, we should really embrace our limits. We should kind of understand that we're finite and we should feel our smallness before God. But especially coming, hopefully coming out of the um, coronavirus pandemic, like we need gentle invitations. We don't need necessarily more arguments about what we should and should not do. Like Mm -hmm. we need to be pulled towards the goodness of the gospel and not just told how we're not measuring up. Um, Yes, we do need to say, look, you're, you know, these patterns of your life may be sinful, but a lot of times they're not. And it's just all of these kind of unrealistic expectations we've placed on ourselves. And so I do hope that a spacious life is that pull into things we say we want, a life of contentment, joy, peace, and rest. Um, And so, you know, I think as we're wrestling with things like I should watch (laughs) It's a Beautiful Life with my four-year-old, you know, the... You know, the question is maybe asking ourselves, like, where is this coming from? (laughs) You know, is this a desire of my heart or is this just kind of I feel like I should because everyone else does it? Um, So you just ask yourself, where is this? Where is this coming from? Mm. Um, Is this of God? Is it from the wider culture? Is it, you know, something that we do want to prioritize in the life of our family? Um, And, you know, as you think about, oh, gosh, I didn't complete that Advent devotional. One thing I love to, to come back to my husband often uses this illustration is, you know, watching our little kids when they were little, little play soccer. 
Um, and you, you know, you see the parents on the sidelines and they're like, yes, that was amazing. You know, and they're like three years old and half the kids are sitting down in the grass, picking flowers and other kids are just like running and, you know, all just like in a pack, right. Towards the, towards the goal. And you see a kid score a goal. You see a kid trying and even just sitting there and playing in the flowers and you're, the parents are just so excited, right. To watch their kid do their thing. Um, they don't have to be perfect. They don't expect them to be professional. Um, they're just delighting in their children. And I think that's such a helpful image to remember. God delights in us like that. He gets a kick out of us. We're his kids. And mm -hmm. he's not like, I only love you if you complete your Advent devotional. Um, you know, to think we are so far removed, obviously, from God's power and perfection and glory to know that we get to be limited so we can hide ourselves in our unlimited God is a gift. Um, and so I think, you know, as you're feeling some of that false guilt is to remember God gets a kick out of you. And so even doing a little bit probably pleases him greatly. And it'll, I think, then increase our hunger for doing more, mm -hmm. for being with him more. I, I want to shift. We'll probably come back to the holiday theme. Sure. But, yeah. Um, your, your pastor's wife. Um, you're also an author and, uh, I think even just for our context, you know, one of the mm -hmm. tensions that we've been facing, you brought up the coronavirus in the local church, you know, there's some people that the church is kind of the center of their communal universe. Um, yeah. and there's other people that the church isn't, but they're a part of it. And as we've come back from the coronavirus, not just churches, but every organization is, kind of asking this question, how do we get people back? So there's some people that are yeah. like, we just need to do more, more programs, right. more opportunities. And then there's other people that are just kind of saying, well, uh, I'm really going to cut back on my life. And I, I guess I just kind of wonder from your perspective, from moving in the last five months, mm -hmm. you know, what would you tell churches and church leaders about thinking about a spacious life post coronavirus? You know, what does that rhythm look like to mm. invite people to be part of the family, but also not be the ones that are creating more hustle? Yeah, that's a great question. I think we're all trying to sort that out for sure. You know, I think the coronavirus pandemic really has revealed for most of us in the West and definitely the American church, kind of our thin discipleship over the last few generations. Um, I think, you know, without kind of the church thing in the same way, we found a ton of people have left, right? That they didn't have kind of the rhythms to sustain the life of faith on their own mm. um, or in kind of virtual community. And so really, I think the church, you know, global that globally can help us. But, you know, the, the American church has, you know, they've... I think, you know, we have we have used programs to try to keep people um, attending. Um, and so ultimately, I think functionally, we've treated church like kind of another consumer product. Um, you go, you do this thing, makes you feel good, you know, um, and not everybody's like that. Uh, and not every church is like that. But I think on the whole, that's a little bit of what we're seeing. And so I think the challenge for the American church at this point is, how do we begin to create thicker communities? How do we begin to create kind of thicker forms of discipleship um, so that hopefully the next generation has a little bit more to go on um, than a lot of us who have found ourselves kind of floundering in this season? 
And so, you know, as we think about a spacious life and what that might look like, um, I think a lot of it is leaders can tend to try to kind of fill up a vacuum and fill in the gaps um, and the and kind of faithful volunteers and lay leaders do that too, where it's like, hey, we have this need or this would be a great thing that we're going to do. And then everyone's like, you know, who always does the same stuff, <laughs> you know, the, the 80 percent um, of folks who don't tend to volunteer as much and it's like 20 percent do all of the things. Um, and so I think there's a sense in which maybe we probably just need to like let there be a silence of activity maybe and not always like rush in to create a program for the need and see who steps up might be really one small way that we could actually trust the spirit of God to move. Um, and, you know, and secondly, it's really just those really boring rhythms <laughs> of the Christian life, um, reading our Bible, being in prayer, you know, gathering with the local church, um, participating in the sacraments. Like these are the things that the global church has done for thousands of years. And who are we to think that, you know, actual, we sh that we should like need a new fancy program instead of maybe I should actually learn how to practice Sabbath um, as a way to experience God and to be renewed and refreshed. My husband and I were actually talking earlier today and he was saying, you know, someone was asking him in a staff meeting, oh gosh, like you're reading First Chronicles and it's just like all these names, <laughs> you know, and what do you get out of that? And he's like, well, I don't even think that's the question. I, you know, we should really be asking what you get out of it. Um, rather, like I know that by committing myself to the rhythm of reading scripture, I trust God's forming me, even if I'm not like wowed by <laughs> lists of genealogies. So I thought that was a really helpful reminder that, you know, when we get to the point of suffering, um, the things that we have done, the rhythms that we have participated in will be there for us kind of, you know, in the bank um, rather than feeling like we don't have any resources because we haven't done or invested in the things that God says will bring us life. Mm. How would you, I mean, so jumping off of that, how, I'm curious, you know, let's say someone is interested in, in, having more limits um yep figuring out how to practice sabbath um yeah what does that mean like what what are first steps you would say someone should take and what should they be aiming for yeah yeah and i think sabbath is something of course people have different views on and we can get lots of shoulds <laughs> as we as we contemplate sabbath and we can also think i need to do this like really well right off the bat instead of having it be kind of um, you know, emerge in different seasons of life. So, you know, I'm not going to expect someone with little kids at the home is going to be like, and I'm going to have an hour of silence, <laughs> you know, quiet time. Like that's just not going to happen. Um, but maybe it is that you could put your kid on your back and go for a hike, you know, and, and talk about how God made nature and how beautiful that is. And isn't our God amazing. And so I think there's definitely ways that we can adapt, you know, concepts of Sabbath, but for Sabbath, you know, I, obviously I think, we're, it's supposed to be Sabbath to the Lord. It's not a day off. So, you know, how are you kind of posturing your heart towards worship? And so part of that's worshiping with your local body. Um, I tend to try to read both fiction because it's delightful and kind of a spiritual book mm -hmm. um, during that day. Uh, we have often done like a candle at the beginning or end of the day to kind of bookend it, to feel like 
it's something special. And for, for us, we also eat dessert first. I read in one of AJ Swoboda's book on Sabbath, he talks about how the Hebrew children were woken up with honey on their tongues. So they would always know that the Lord's day is sweet. And I, I loved that. So I make sure that we have dessert <laughs> on Sundays and we have it before our dinner. So um, for us, I think too, that's that's been a really great tradition. And I think a lot of it too is to choose to, to bask in Sabbath as it's a gift. It's not like, oh, these are all the things you can't do. But God is saying, you know, he gave Sabbath to his people when they were coming out of slavery. You don't have to work for your worth. You don't have to. Mm. You can actually like put away the computer and you don't have to return emails. Like the world does not depend on you, will not continue to spin because of how present you are <laughs> to your email inbox. No, I love that. I think that's something that we definitely could all, you know, yeah. think about more. The world's going to keep turning. The sun's going to keep rising and setting, whether or not we look at our our mm -hmm. uh, email or our, our Twitter mm -hmm. feed or whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, how do you, I mean, I guess to jump off of that, how do you, how have you found that you have had, I mean, just to anticipate, let's say someone's listening and they're like, you know what, I really want to make a go at that. What should they be anticipating as far as, uh, steps they can take to protect that time. Um, like, you know, mm. there's going to be, I'm sure there's going to be people who might want their attention. Um, but maybe even worse than that is the little pop-ups on your phone or whatever. I mean, what's your, yeah. what are your protective yeah. measures you put in place ahead of time? Yeah. I mean, I know some people who like, just like leave their phone off for the day, um, or delete social media off their phones, particularly, um, for the weekend. And I think that's a really great, healthy rhythm. I've done that on occasion, for sure. Um, I definitely don't post anything on social media um, on Sundays because that can get just like, that sucks me in too. Oh gosh, like, look at all of these things, you know, that I, I should be paying attention to. But if it's off, you, you don't even know what you're missing. Um, and yeah, you know, or putting notifications on your email, like whatever you need to do um, to kind of get a barrier between what is your normal work and um, and kind of rest time to figure out like what's actually restorative rest too mm. uh, is important instead of just like zoning out on Netflix or something. You know, what is what are the things I often encourage folks to create a delight list. Um, and sometimes those delightful things are things that you can think back in your childhood that that brought you delight. And so how can you incorporate maybe some of those sorts of things in your Sabbath keeping? Um, and, you know, the candle or something like that might be helpful to be like, this is the beginning of my Sabbath time and this is the end to give you a boundary as well mm -hmm. to that time. That's cool. Yeah. Peter, what's on your delight list from when you were a kid? Uh, I was about to say grape soda, but I feel like I'm going to be judged. I'm going to so. go with Legos. <laughs> yes, go. All right, go ahead. Yes. So, yeah, maybe you want to build something or have your grape soda. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, hey, nothing tastes better than Dimetap. Uh, not the actual <laughs> stuff. We're not promoting that. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, probably the chapter that affected me the most in the book was on death. Um, and so when we talk <laughs> about death, it's not... Um, you know, it's more figurative than literal. Um, and again, mm -hmm. I'm kind of dancing on words here. What do you think that we get wrong of our understanding of whether it's dying to ourselves or the death of a dream and even grieving? Mm -hmm. um, what What do you think is our big problem? Mm -hmm. And what are you kind of saying, hey, this is an opportunity here for you? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. Um, I think, you know, honestly, you know, there's a chapter right about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and his aloneness, um, before the father and desiring human companionship. And as we know, his, his closest friends didn't show up for him. And, you know, I think there's a sense in which we have all felt deeply, um, alone. And I think what is beautiful, you know, in, in those moments of the death of a dream or a diagnosis, um, is to hold both our losses and our joys together. Um, because ultimately we believe that because Jesus received the no of God, the father at that time, he's like, can this, can this cup pass from me that we will always have his yes. And so we can have the encouragement to know that whatever dark valley that we're going through. And if we don't run away from that um, and try to push it off or try to control it, if we actually say, you know, this dark valley, whatever it may be, can be used for good, for resurrection, because that is the story of the Christian life is from death to resurrection, that there is hope somehow in it, even if I can't see it, if we kind of cast ourselves on the omniscience and and mercy of God in those moments, we will actually find this kind of contentment, I think, that Paul talks about that is, you know, in want and in plenty. Um, he's learned that secret of being content. And I think that's really what we all want um, because we know suffering is going to come and we know that we will experience lots of smaller deaths before we <laughs> get to the big death. Um, and, and you know, so, yeah, I think there's a sense in which we can be encouraged with the fact that Jesus has gone through death and come out the other side that that is the same pattern in our own lives. And it takes a lot of courage to stick with him. Um, but you know, there's, there's folks I have, I have talked to who've read a spacious life, um, who are in those dark valleys and who have said like, you know, both, I believe (laughs) help my unbelief. Um, and also Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. And that, that brings me so much joy to know that my book could be just a small teeny part in someone's story about really realizing in our bones sort of way that Jesus is enough. I want to kind of flip that because right now we're having a conversation about the great resignation in jobs. And I think a lot of those, um, you're not just running to a new opportunity, you're running Mm -hmm. from something. Mm -hmm. So even if on the other side of, quote unquote, death is something beautiful and positive. Yeah. Um, and you might just from your personal experience from moving from California to Colorado, what would you say to the people that are say on the other side, like how would you encourage them to grieve well, even mm. though they don't feel like they're quote unquote grieving? Yeah. You know, waiting is really hard <laughs> and waiting God is even harder because it seems like he's not in a hurry. <laughs> um, he's definitely not as quick, you know, sometimes as I would like it to be. And of course I would love like, here's the map of your life, Ashley. And you can see how all of these things fit together. Um, but then we really wouldn't have to walk with him all that much because we'd be like, thanks, you know, uh, we got it, genie Jesus. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think, you know, as we think about how to wait well and how to grieve well. I think a lot of it, it has to do with simply naming the grief. Um, I think especially in COVID, 
the COVID era, maybe we could say, um, little things tend to like affect us in bigger ways. And it's often surprising. So um, a friend of mine was talking about having to miss a field trip because it got canceled for to be able to go with her daughter. And she found herself just like really upset about this. And it kind of brought up some things in her own story from, you know, a decade before uh, that she hadn't really dealt with. And so by asking herself the question, like, why, why is this bothering me? Because sometimes grief comes up and we're not even aware of it. And so just taking time to to get curious about our grief might be a first step. For those of us who are like type A, we're just going to hurry past our, our grief. Just the reminder that grief and loss and pain, if we don't deal with them, will always come out sideways. Um, so mm-hmm. if you don't give yourself some planned margin to begin to maybe process some of that with Jesus, um, it's going to come out and it's usually not going to be pretty, the, 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 the sideways um, sort of thing. So even just saying, I'm going to open up some space for silence or prayer on a regular basis around this, this loss, even if I don't feel it, um, might be a good way to begin to process that. Before we get to, uh, we ask the same question all the time. This is a question for all of us. I just thought we'd have fun. So yeah. what's your favorite Christmas movie? Favorite Christmas movie is probably Christmas Vacation. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What about yeah. you, Aaron? Oh, man. That's a that's a tough choice. There's a lot of good ones. I mean, I guess what kind of mood am I in? It's yeah, a that's Wonderful true. Life is a classic. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But... If I'm feeling a little more goofy, I guess I would go with Elf. I love Elf, too. That's up there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just throw the Grinch out there. Yeah. Um, Which one? I think the the original. Right. The original cartoon. Right. We don't have enough cartoons. I'm I'm campaigning for more. For more Christmas cartoons. (laughs) uh, Cartoons in general. But maybe I shouldn't because then my daughter would watch more of them. But (laughs) there you go. It's a whole. We we got to put some spacious life in her life, boundaries and limits on the so screens. Yes, yes, <laughs> I hear you. <ya. laughs> we'll we'll save that for the next podcast, and the three of us can talk about parenting stuff. Perfect. So. Sounds fun. Well, so the question that we close every episode with is, "What does Jesus have to say about this topic?" So, Aaron and I answer, and then we expect the guests to clean up any messes or heresy <laughs> that we bring up. Perfect. Do you feel comfortable doing that? Sure, I'll, I'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> who's going for is it you or me i can go that's fine um yeah no i i uh i think this is a great topic i'm really glad that we got to talk to ashley about this and uh yeah i mean i love i love the idea of finding freedom and god's good limits like that's it's such a powerful thing to think about it's clearly something that um is on god's heart for us he does want us to to somehow experience sabbath and to experience rest and know that we're not our worth is not based on our work Mm. um certainly not based on our hustle and keeping ourselves busy all the time (laughs) and i i mean i think we miss a lot by i think i miss a lot uh when i keep myself busy for the sake of being busy um or or maybe not the sake of being busy maybe i'm just i'm just uh allowing everything else to take over my my uh my time um because it's not really necessarily at the end of the day it's not my time um it's time that's been given to me mm-hmm. and um you know there are there are good ways to invest it and then there are not so helpful ways to invest it and i do think that using 
you know, tools that we have like social media and things like that are, are good. But I also think that investing on scrolling, do the scroll, I'm using my finger up and down yeah. as if I'm looking at my phone. Yeah. That's not necessarily uh, useful and uh, not the most, I, I should be doing, go back to my delight list, I should be doing more yeah. Legos with my kids. So um, yeah, so I think that it's very important. Go ahead, Peter. So like I said, I'd really encourage you to read the book. I, I think one of the the indirect themes is this idea of freedom because we think that that's in contrast of limits and hustle and choice and doing everything. And we mm -hmm. brought that up a couple of times. There's a book called The Paradox of Choice. Uh, and there was a section in there that they actually went into grocery stores and they had 20 selections of jellies and jams. Yeah. And they sold less than when they put two out there mm -hmm. and i think about that because it's almost like our culture saying please decide for me mm. and if when you read the old testament with jesus it, like it seems like he's so directive that god is like you need to do this on this day on this set and and then you get to the new testament and it's almost as if no you're you're free from this stuff and i think the better question is like what is the rhythm that Jesus wants for our life? Mm -hmm. And maybe the difference is, is he models it in the New Testament. You know, Ashley brought up he took naps and things like that. And, you know, you can respond to this episode by shame, by saying, hey, I should be reading my Bible more. I should be doing this. Or you can respond by just saying I'm good where I'm at. But I think the challenge for us, mm -hmm. uh, wherever you are in your faith journey is if if Jesus is giving us a sustainable life that he's called us to live what does that look like and i think that that's the better question that the bible mm -hmm. offers and gives some examples to and kind of unites the old testament with the new testament mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. those are some of my thoughts yeah actually clean it up <laughs> i think that's great you know i think a lot of questions we really we come down to too is what is freedom for and you know in our mm -hmm. american concept at least it's at least practically it's you know, freedom is so that I can do whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it with whomever I want to do it with. <laughs> um, and that's not what the Bible talks about, right, is freedom, right? It's, it's you, Paul reminds us it's for freedom we've been set free and it's, it's freedom from sin and slavery and death. Um, and so the rhythms that freedom in Christ looks like is, is not going to always look like or feel like freedom to like our American sensibilities, um, but they actually do bring life. Uh, so it would be great. Like maybe even just try it out like this Christmas season. What does it look like to embrace your limits like Jesus does? And just say, I'm just going to try it. See if I actually, you know, if it actually changes this sense of always feeling like I'm missing out and this constant anxiety, or if I'm actually feeling, you know, this is how God's made me. This is how he's invited me into his kingdom work, um, in my neighborhood, in my church. And so I'm going to do those things that he's called me to. And I can therefore not feel like I am a failure if I don't do the other millions of things that are calling for our attention. That's really good. Ashley, thanks for joining us. Uh, can uh, people find you on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yes. LinkedIn, MySpace? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Or Meta now. I don't even know what, what Facebook is. <laughs> um, I'm mainly on Twitter and Instagram at AA Hales, and my website is aahales.com. So that's pretty easy to remember. And uh, and of a podcast too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what's what's the yeah? Name it's of your called podcast? the Finding Holy Podcast. So, and mm -hmm. you can find the links there at the website as well. 
Well, we'll be posting about it. We'll also be posting about uh, Ashley's uh, Advent devotional, so be looking for that. Uh, Ashley, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, make sure you check out her book, A Spacious Life. Just a reminder, you can find us at whygotawhypodcast.com. The best way to get in touch with us is to subscribe to our email. Each week, you'll get the episode with the transcript, everything you need in there. So we hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Browncroft Community Church, for supporting us, and we'll go from there. Thank you.